I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beak, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can get us on Twitter at the Eagles Beak, and I'm also the radio show host for a local community radio sports show called The Meridian Sports Show. It's on meridianfm.com, and you can get us on Twitter at the Meridian SS. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Jay, we'll lead in with you. I don't know if you heard, you had a pretty big result this weekend, um, which we'll also discuss a little bit when we get to the topic. But going to Stanford Bridge, scoring two goals, and two very good goals at that, um, how impactful will this be for Palace come the end of the season? I, I just think it shows the, the run we're on, the confidence that the players have had. You know, we, we went into this game three wins in a row, considering, you know, we've had a bit of a, uh, we've had a, quite of a stumble since Sam Allardyce came in. He did actually say to, to to fans and the media that it would take until March to get the size sorted out. I think it was a bigger job than he ever expected to, but the turnaround has happened in March. You know, we've had three, three games unbeaten, uh, three clean sheets as well. And that's coincided with the likes of Sacco coming into the team. He's been absolutely immense for us. Heading to Chelsea yesterday, I mean, huge impact, I think, for, for, for Palace. You know, we, we haven't beaten one of the top sides this year. I say top sides, one of the top four or five teams. Um, we haven't beaten one of the big sides this season yet. Um, and I think we had to do that between now and the end of the season because we play each of the top six between before yesterday and the end of the season. So it's a pretty tough run-in for a team that um, has been struggling until, well, three games before now. Um, so, yeah, I think the the era of confidence you saw in, in the players yesterday um, also, you know, just allowed us to get the result. And togetherness, I think, was a big factor as well because, you know, they they battled and worked hard. I mean, it's a massive rearguard action to keep Chelsea out, um, you know, for the rest of the game. So I think going forward, that's a, you know, we, we had a, a good run of games, you know, three games on being, as I mentioned. Going into that game, you know, fans probably thinking it's a bit of a free hit, you know, going to play Chelsea, 10 points clear at people um, away from home. That would have been, uh, I think there were 12 games unbeaten, 12 wins in a row at Stamford Bridge. Quite ominous, really, isn't it, for a team, you know, struggling team to go to Chelsea, Stamford Bridge. But the way it worked out, absolutely fantastic and you know going forward it's it's given us a real lift going into the rest of the season and you know you can't bet against us to stay up now it's definitely gone well and in that match and of late Wilfred Zaha has just been incredible for you 
Uh, basically, every time I looked over to the Palace Chelsea match, he was losing one or two defenders at a time. There was one very strange one where he just absolutely embarrassed two defenders. They pulled him back and they didn't give him advantage, even though he was already sprinting away. Um, but obviously, there's been lots of Zaha news lately with the England stuff. Uh, news of a possible contract to ward off interest from several other London-based clubs. Um, but the, the main question I have for you is, is this a very good streak of form from Wilfried Zaha? Or is he still a very young player? Do you see this as signs of, of market improvement? Well, Wilf is 24. Um, a lot's happened in his career already. I mean, he's a young player, came through the ranks at Palace, came through the academy. He's, he's our real you know, shining light, our, you know, our diamond and a rough, as it were. Um, it's no, it's no, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's public knowledge that um, he went to Manchester United. It failed for whatever reason. United, and it, it, you know, what happened was Sir Alex Ferguson signed him and then then retired. So I think that was a big effect on Wilf not settling at the club. I think under Alex Ferguson, he, he would have probably excelled at United and become you know a top player. But it's taken him a while to to get that out of his system. I think um, started the season well. We all know at Palace what Wilf's capable of. We've seen him grow as a player. Fantastic to have him back from United. It's a shame to lose him to United. But, you know, as, as you see a young player grow, come through the academy, go, you know, selling a player to United, you, you kind of wish him well and, you know, want him to, you know, go on to bigger and better things. And it didn't, it didn't work out. It was a year, it, you know, it was a step back for him for, for a whole you know, 12 months, effectively. And it's taken him a while to get out of the system, like I mentioned. Um, but this season, he's just got better and better as the season's gone on. It's been the season of his life. Um, a lot's been said about him. Not wanting to play for England. Well, he's waited. We we talked before we came, you know, to start press record on this pod that he's waited four or five years for England. You know, he can't wait forever. You know, this chance to play for Ivory Coast, international football for Ivory Coast came along. He's taken that, and then of course, you know, gets criticised by the England management for for doing that. Good luck to him. I would say, you know, Yannick Balassi chose to play for Congo um, a couple of seasons ago, and he—it's been the making of him. So I'm wishing Wilf well. Good luck to him in the Ivory Coast. I'm sure England's and Ivory Coast's path will cross in the future, no doubt. Um, but Wilf has just got better and better this season. He really has. I mean, the last few weeks he's been instrumental in our great run of form. Him and Benteke have linked up really well. As it's game yesterday, I mean, two excellent goals. I mean, the first goal from Wilf is just his trademark. You know, he runs with the ball. It keeps he keeps the ball so close to his feet, and it's hard for defenders to get the ball off. And he had, I think, he had four Chelsea players around him at the time that he took a shot, put it into the bottom corner, had time to direct it past Courtois. Mm. Fantastic. And then his involvement in the Benteke goal and by Benteke's audacity to do what he did um, to effectively stop the ball and chip it over. The, I mean, everything's just coming off for us at the moment, which is nice. And we rode our luck in that game. To be fair, could have had a penalty against us, but. You know, you make your own luck sometimes in this game. With ten minutes at injury time, play the end of the game. And that was that was pretty uh, pretty nerve wracking. But we got there, and, and Wilf was instrumental in that win. I'm not saying he was the only guy on the pitch. You know, it was a team effort, but Wilf shone through big time, and uh, and obviously just adds to what we've seen of him in recent weeks already. That fantastic goal he scored against Russia. Uh, on international duty it's just going to I just hope he gets better and better and it's going to be tough for Palace to hold on to him there is uh, a lot of talk about uh, Steve Parrish our owner or our our chairman looking to offer him a better deal in the next few weeks and hopefully that'll work but you know I think fans are you know be silly to think that you know new contracts will keep players at clubs because it doesn't happen so we will see what the summer will bring but at the moment we're enjoying seeing Wilf enjoying his football he clearly is playing with a smile doing great stuff and like I say he was instrumental in, in the win yesterday yeah, and just to add my own two cents unwarrantedly, um, you have a lot of big clubs left on your fixture list. 
I think we getting do. I think getting the the result here against Chelsea, especially away, will definitely benefit you in those matches to come. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, there's nobody bigger at the moment, is there? I mean, we we went to Chelsea. They were they, they were ten points clear at the top of the Premier League, seemingly marching towards the title. I still think they win the title, no doubt about that. Um, they didn't play badly yesterday. They really. Um, I just think they need to learn how to win games when they're. You know, playing good football, but not you know creating much in and around the box really. But uh, you know, uh, you know, Palace kind of hit them at a point where I think full sense of security. They went one 0 up early on, and a lot of us are thinking, you know, that's it. You know, you don't want to lose a goal that early to to a big side. And um, you know, hitting them quickly like we did, I think shocked them. And you know, going to Chelsea, that's that's the biggest scalp of the season. You know, there's none, there's not one bigger than that. Um, so I think going into the rest of the fixture list. We should go into it with an air of confidence, and, and rightly Southampton away in the week, which um, hopefully we can get something out of, whether it's a point or three. And then we play Arsenal at home uh, the following Monday, which would be very interesting because they're a little bit out of sorts. They're another team that we haven't really had much luck against in, in recent years. So um, be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, Dan, Arsenal played Manchester City today. It was a pretty free flowing match, which. I suppose wasn't that surprising considering that Manchester City's most defensive midfielder was David Silva. Um, but you come into this one kind of adrift uh, of the top four chase, not really in the title chase. Wenger's under all this pressure right now. Was a draw enough today? Uh, well, one, I want to congratulate Jay on the perfect segue ending with Arsenal. But <laughs> um, moving on from that, um, and no, I don't think it was realistically. Um a draw against Manchester City is never a bad result, but given the context, especially if the loss at West Brom, it's probably not enough. We really need to win that game. And we didn't, but I was expecting to lose, so I guess it's better than that. Um, yeah, as far as the game itself, like you said, it was very, very hilariously open. It was a lot of just... It was really stupid. That game was stupid. It was just really <laughs> weird. Um, what was it? Like, we were talking before we hit record. Um, a lot of uh, there were all kinds of uh, positions that just didn't turn into shots. Like, it could have been more than 2-2. Uh, both teams just... It, it was weird, because there weren't even, like, a lot of saves or a lot of really bad misses. It was just, like, it's a, like, a lot of good positions not actually turning into shots, and it was it was just a weird game. Not a lot of t- or play in the actual midfield. A lot of it was penalty box to penalty box. It was hilariously open. It was basically basketball. Yeah, it was definitely a strange one, but at least it uh, countered the earlier match where I suffered through Swansea versus Middlesbrough. Uh, where I, like, jumped out a window at least six <laughs> different times. It was it was <laughs> itcrowd.gif. Um, <laughs> um, it was commonoutofwindow.gif. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a very painful uh, one. This one was obviously more exciting. Um, there, are, there are good matches. That wasn't one of them. <laughs> it, it sure wasn't. Uh with the Wenger stuff, basically everybody is saying that unofficially he signed a two-year contract. How do you feel about that specifically? Because um, apparently there was fighting in the stands and stuff over this kind of stuff. So just curious as to where you fall on that. It's probably not the right decision, realistically. Um, if if it is possible for us to bring in a manager such as Thomas Tuchel or Mo Allegri, uh, who are the other names have been thrown around? Uh, Jardim, I've heard like once or twice. Even Roger Schmidt. Um, then we really probably should. Um, but Wenger just really doesn't want to go. I think it's 
I thought that he was going to stay for like, – there was one or two days where I actually thought he was going to leave. But for the most part, I've been pretty convinced he was going to stay, which is probably not a good thing as much as it hurts me to say it. I'm never going to – what was it? Tweet that uh, that hashtag or um, <laughs> or rent any planes or, tr- or buses or fight people in stands. But <laughs> our fan base is a joke. But realistically, it's prob- he really probably shouldn't come back. Mm. Yeah, Hardim would would be an a an incredible signing, especially considering some of the players that might show a little loyalty in the transfer market. Um, yeah. What was it? Actually, someone or what was it? A different podcast was talking about this. The only reason um, English clubs are having problems, or like are seen as having problems in the Champions League, are because of freaking Monaco. Yeah, they just ruin everything. That is so true. Also, I would like to point out to pat myself on the back that when we drew Monaco, I was pretty worried about it. Because everybody was thinking that they were like old man throwing money around Monaco and yeah. didn't realize that like yeah. five of they, the most talented ten French youngsters are all in the exact same team. But. Yeah, and that made, yeah, they changed that philosophy like two or three years ago. Now they're like, no, we have fun, good young players. Suck yeah, it. they're uh, so fun to watch. Also, everybody needs to slap, stop sleeping on Thomas Lamar. For some reason, everybody else in that team is getting all the love. He is a very, very good player. There's so much. There's only so much love to go around. That's true. Um, also, I saw that we were linked with uh, Benjamin Mendy, and I was like, "Why?" I mean, cool, but yeah, I super doubt that. It would yeah. literally take Rose leaving, and um, yeah, like, that's the only reason for mm-hmm. to buy Mendy. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so for Tottenham, we uh, we had a pretty good week, uh, considering how all the other results went. Um, not necessarily a fun match. To watch against Burnley, uh, who unsurprisingly defended well at home. They have a top five defense uh, in the league at home uh, there at Turf Moor. So we always knew it was going to be a struggle to break them down. Um, we had two injuries that impacted us pretty early on with uh, Wanyama and Winks both going off. And when I say early on, I mean around halftime. Um, but uh, that made a switch to a 4-2-3-1, which, as formations go, is uh, typically a very difficult formation to break other teams down in because it tends to be a little bit more static, a little more central. So when we did that, I got very concerned that we were going to come away with just a draw. And this is obviously happening happening simultaneously with Crystal Palace taking the lead against Chelsea. Um, so seeing this as an opportunity to capitalize on that, I was very worried uh, at the time. Fortunately, uh, just kind of a muddled cross gets kicked around the box a little bit before Dyer actually like perfectly placed his shot into the side netting. I originally thought he just like lashed at it and it just managed to find its way past like the seven Burnley players on the line. Um, but it was actually very well placed. I thought once Dyer was shifted back into midfield, he looked a lot better. Um, I haven't really been a big fan of his since he switched back to center back this season. Although it's hard to argue with the results with the best defense in the league and all. But um, just seeing him back in midfield, I, I was pretty uh, uh, pleased to see him back there and doing so well which is probably something that we need because Wanyama took a knee to the back. And first of all, he's our only player that hasn't missed a match this season. So that'll be fun. Um, but also with a quick turnaround to the Swansea, Swansea match on Wednesday, the fact we have Dyer, I think, means that we won't even bother Wanyama. You know, give him the week. Hopefully his back will get right. Um, it was an impact injury. So it could just be bruising. I'm sure it's locking up and stuff like that. But hopefully there's no actual structural damage that will keep him out any significant period of time. But I just assume the Swansea match will be a day or two too early. Um, So yeah, having Dyer in there, I'd assume we'll see Dyer and Dembele in midfield. It'll be interesting to see if we go back four. But that is something I should talk about in previews. Not right now. But anyway, uh, Della Ali 
had a fantastic match. He should have had two goals very easily. Um, pushed one heinously wide. Another one just didn't pull the trigger early enough and ended up curling it wide the other way. Um, but I saw somebody online talking about Dilla Ali's um, improvement and, and growth and comparing it to Bale, which positionally is insane. But the point they were making was that Dela Ali is starting to get to the point where if he wants to do something, very few players can stop him from doing it. Obviously, Bale was more pace and on the wing, but Dela Ali really is just, he confounds defenses. And I mentioned this last season, that my concern about his progression was, what would he do when he stopped being a wild card? Like, we did not give him a lot of tactical instruction last season. We basically told the other 10 players exactly what, what role they should play. And just let him do whatever the hell he wanted on the pitch. And the thing that I didn't account for was that he may be talented enough that he can just keep doing that. And uh, as I said before, the other team can't know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. And I mean that in the most positive way possible. Where it for him it's so much instinct-based. Um, and it, it really has been incredible watching him this year. He's on 14 goals already. He's also kicked in his fair share of assists. Uh, and, and we've really seen his... Breakout, I think, this season. Obviously, his first season was very impressive last year. He had 10-plus goals last year as well. But I, I think, kind of like Jay was saying with Zaha, like this this is the corner turning, um, really, on Ali being an incredible player. I'm not going to be one of the guys that say he's going to be world-class one day or Madrid or Barcelona or anything like that. But he is clearly capable in the Premier League. And uh, hopefully, he'll stick around with us for a while longer and will continue to grow that way. Um, Ericsson? Uh, had to play a very different game because he had to sit a little bit further back. But I was very pleased with that. There was a while where I said I thought Ali would end up as a central midfielder. But if we ever switched to a 4-3-3, I'd be interesting to see if we'd be willing to, instead of having Erickson on the wing, where I think he's a little less effective, although his crossing is great, maybe push him a little bit back, maybe a little bit further, deeper. It's worked for Ross Barkley at Everton um, ever since their tactical change. It's just because it gives him a little more time on the ball to make decisions. Obviously, Christian Erickson is significantly better at picking out passes than Ross Barkley. But and doing most things than Ross Barkley. Also, yes. Uh, but I would be very interested to see long-term, maybe you pull him a little bit further back. I've complained for years about us not having a deep-lying playmaker. And obviously, Erickson isn't really going to put in the defensive shifts, but his um, distance run has been incredible the last two seasons. So obviously, he's not going to go in with many challenges. But anyway, it's just something that I've, I've been uh, pondering on after that match. Um, yeah, that basically wraps it up. Uh, Sun came on, got a late goal. Uh, was beautiful. Erickson to Ali to Sun, exactly how you would expect it with Kane out of the picture uh, with his injury still. So uh, very pleased with that. Looks like Kane should be back by the Bournemouth match. He said crossing his fingers because he's going to be there. Um, and it looks like Rose will be back by the Arsenal match, which is a bit later than we were hoping. And I am, that is a little bit more of a... a I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Because it just seems like every third injury for Tottenham ends up being like months longer than the original projection. Uh, and I very much hope that that's not the case here for Rose. To be fair, the other two are always like a, a, like two or three weeks shorter. Yeah, it's true. It, it kind of evens out. It's <laughs> weird, but it evens out. Yeah, it does. Like Vertonghen, who was like supposed to be out for two months, ended up being out for three weeks. And, we're like, and Kane, out for the rest okay. of the season. Nice. Nah, it's like... He's back. To be fair, all of the out for the season happened before the scan happened. I don't know where that, that report fair. came from. Um, but yeah, we, we do tend to get some of them back earlier. And then people like Lamella, who just oh, have nice. like a hip knock in November, is now out for the whole year. But we'll put that <laughs> to the side. Um, mentioned a little bit earlier uh, with Jay's result, what the topic would be. Obviously, beating Chelsea had 
great ramifications for Crystal Palace and their striving to stay up, but it also had massive implications on the title race. Um, pulling Chelsea back to seven matches. They have Manchester City midweek, so they could very plausibly drop all three or maybe two points if they ended up drawing. So my question for you guys is, do you think the title race is back on? And if so, which teams do you think really could have a chance here? Um, for me, um, not yet. I, I know we got a great result and a very unexpected result against Chelsea. We play well, Chelsea. They just couldn't get through. Um, we were lucky enough to score two quick goals, as I mentioned, straight after going 1-0 down. Um, still a good side. They're not a bad side every night. Like I say, they still play well. Yeah, they're all right. Um, just a bit of an off day in front of goal, really, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, off day. I mean, it, they, was, they were 10 points clear before... Um, before we played yesterday, I, I wouldn't say a title race is back on just yet. I think there's got to be a few uh, a few results yet to go um, to go other ways. But yeah, it's a big game against um, City on Wednesday. I think it would have been an even bigger game if City had beaten Arsenal today. To be fair, because uh, um, City would have probably had more uh, more interest in it. I think Chelsea can probably afford to draw that game on Wednesday, really, um, because City didn't win. Um, Today, so for me, no, the title rest I don't think is um, still well, is is back open just yet. But if Chelsea lose to City on Wednesday, then yeah, there's a really big chance that Spurs could take advantage. I think Spurs are the ones that are in the ideal position. Like I say, if City had won today, then um, yeah, they could put them, they could have put themselves in, in in bigger contention. But I think Spurs are the ones that are looking uh, looking set if there are any more blips from Chelsea the ones to take advantage but it's difficult I with Harry Kane out at, at Spurs I I think they miss something huge and you do wonder whether um that n- n- you know no no dealings in a transfer market in January perhaps to strengthen that striking options might come back and haunt them I could be wrong. I could well be wrong. I mean, um, Janssen hasn't really um, done it or hasn't really had the opportunity, I would say, because Kane's been been so good this season. Um, Son always scores goals, to be fair to him. Is he that leading striker? Probably not in, you know, in, that, in that Harry Kane role. So, um, But yeah, Spurs are the ones that are the best place to take advantage of any further Chelsea step-ups. But for me, I don't see the title race is back on just yet, but that could all change with a midweek game, so we'll see. Uh yeah, uh, my answer to if it, just just no, just not them. Um, like the Problem. only way it could no. possibly be on is if um Chelsea, even if they lose midweek, I really don't think. Uh, yeah, even if they lose midweek, I still don't think it's really a race. But I guess it would it could be four points between them and Spurs, so I'd at least have to like call it a race. But I still don't think they won't, they'll <laughs> anyone other than Chelsea will win. And Spurs are even if even if Chelsea do lose midweek to City. Spurs are the only ones in any position to to do anything about it because Liverpool, at best case scenario, would be seven points back and played an extra game, and City would be uh, what is it, eight points back mm. with eight games to go. Like, I, it's just yeah, no. It's Spurs are the only ones who could even possibly be in with a shot, and even them, I don't think they have a great shot, even if Chelsea loses to City. Interesting. I am clearly unbiased. But um, <laughs> if you look at the remaining fixtures, especially Chelsea's next five, they have City at home, Bournemouth away, which you're obviously going to expect as a win, but then United away, Southampton at home, Everton away. The Everton blows in defense have been huge. Funes Mori and Coleman being out for the year. Um, well, out for the season, although Coleman may actually be out for the year. 
uh, is obviously a huge blow because they were really, really developing well as a defense. But um, those aren't easy matches. Um, do I think that they could drop enough points there that Tottenham could make use of it? I don't know. But uh, I'm going to take basically a more positive stance of the facts that Dan used. Of If it gets to four points, it is a race. Um, whether that yeah. means we can actually win the title is still, yeah, that's kind. That's kind of I was, no. yeah. I guess for kind of said the same thing. I was just more negative about yeah. it. But, yeah, surprisingly, it's like I have to call it. Yeah, shockingly enough. Um, <laughs> like I guess I have to call it a race, but I still would. Put, I still would have Chelsea at like seventy percent chance to win it in, in my head. Not that I have any numbers to back that up. Just like I would uh, still be pretty certain they'd still win it, even with I, it only being four points. Just I, w- I would just add that you know I think. Uh, I mean, Palace are probably a better place than anybody to say that defeat breeds defeat. So it'd be interesting to see how Chelsea react to this defeat. Um, Kev, you just mentioned like the easiness of some games. Some games are easier than others. I think our win yesterday against Chelsea proves that no game in the Premier League is easy. Mm-hmm. And that's what Antonio Conte said in his press conference. Well, this time of the season. I mean, Liverpool do it, you know, all the way through the season. They lose to Burnley, Swansea. <laughs> um, you know, they lose to teams that they shouldn't be losing to all, all the time. I just don't, and they always beat the teams in the top six for some peculiar reason, which is why I, I see them taking a long time to to get anywhere near that title uh, title challenge. But back to the Palace Chelsea game, I think that just proves that you know at this stage of the season, particularly, teams are fighting for their lives at the bottom. Um, and while some people are saying Palace are too good to be down there, the fact is we are down there. You know, we're four points clear of Hull. Hull got a late winner yeah. yesterday, which was a real shame from our perspective. Otherwise, we could have been seven points clear at the bottom three, which probably um, would have been deserved. You know, we deserved that after the winning at Chelsea. But you know, it, you know, I think it just goes to prove that no game is easy in the Premier League. Where whatever fixtures you've got between now and the end of the season. It's all up for grabs, isn't it? And I just think that that gap, even if Chelsea do falter and lose a couple of games between now and the end of the season, it's a lot of points for Tottenham to make up and it's a lot of points for Chelsea to uh, Tottenham to go on a run and continue to do that run. But, yeah, you know, it's possible. You can never say never. The whole having both Arsenal and United remaining hurts Tottenham as well. But they are both at home. They are both at home. And yeah. remember that if you have tough matches remaining against teams that are in the top six, you can claim that the, your fate's in your own hands. Which is always, always, yeah. nice. that is one of the reasons why I think City Chelsea is such an interesting matchup, though, because Tottenham have already played them both twice. So we, we cannot impact those two teams from here on out. And they seem the other two most likely to finish top three at this point. Yeah. Um, so it will be very interesting to see how that one turns out. I think if, I think if Chelsea win, that basically locks Tottenham into the top four. And so then it, then it's a negotiation of, well, what do you want, right? With the stadium build, do you want the stability of knowing that you're probably, Secure in top four, you have that um, kind of like comfort zone, he said, knowing that it meant more matches at Wembley. Um, but or, or do you want to dream? Do you want to say, maybe if Chelsea slip up enough, could we catch them with Kane coming back, with Rose coming back? It, it, it's, it's certainly worth discussing, but I think we're all in agreement that it is at this point still far more likely that Chelsea come away with the title than the field, to be honest. Kev, okay, out of interest, I'm just... Mm-hmm. Gonna say you mentioned the new stadium coming in. Yeah, will that actually affect the transfer budget that Pochettino yes. will have? It will. Mm-hmm. Just very similar. I, I, no, I'm just thinking along the lines of what Wenger had to go through. Um, you know, for Arsenal to pay off their stadium, and he stayed at Arsenal through that time, and obviously came out the other side. But uh, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be the same. For, yeah, for Pochettino, right? Definitely, and it would have been regardless. 
But now, without getting into any of the politics of it, post-Brexit, yeah. the cost of the stadium build have risen almost double. Um, oh, yeah. well, don't stadium yeah. co- well, it's even it's don't stadium costs always rise and oh yeah over time even, yeah it's being even for sure yeah but it was a lot of, of Brexit. yeah but it was a lot of foreign steel and stuff like that that has uh, now been <laughs> impacted by exchange rates and stuff um, <laughs> but yeah it'll, it'll be a mess it would have anyway and now it definitely will but I do think that and we've positioned all the ourselves the fans that voted leave are like what no <laughs> but we wanted ESCO um, <laughs> no, but, um, I think that largely it's been what's driven our transfer policy bar Sosoko over the past few years was get these yeah, young players fair. in, yeah. right? Because we have a very young core. If we don't touch this squad over the summer, we'd still be in contention for top four, right? Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't be favorites. We're a little weak on the wing. If we're going to play three at the back, we probably need another center back or two, depending on Vimmer's fate. But I think that was the goal. I, I, I think Wenger at, at Arsenal was more... Um, hamstrung by expectation like they were supposed to be contending for titles during that period where they weren't able to spend all that money whereas we're you know perennially this like top four top six and I, I just think expectations will be held a little bit more in check and that we we have been able to prepare for it rather than react to it which i think will definitely help us as well but yeah no I, we will not have the money to spend so it will be interesting but you know that's, we've we've run it a net you won't be able to afford fifty million for Wilf in the summer. Then that's great news. <laughs> that is probably correct. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've we've run it net neutral for like since Levy came in. So you know we we've always pretty much bought how much we sold. Um, yeah. But it may even go a little bit the other direction. But yeah, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, now we will uh, head into Player Watch, where we'll quickly discuss uh, a player that impressed and one that disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. Or if you beat Chelsea, you can just talk about either another person that impressed or somebody that <laughs> stood out from the opposing team. Oh, who played Chelsea? Um, oh, that would be Palace. Yeah, I, okay. yes. uh, <laughs> well, it can't be Arsenal. They never beat top six teams. Oh. <laughs> and it couldn't be Liverpool. They only beat top six teams. And lose everyone else. <laughs> oh, for Palace, too impressed. Um, there's so many players that impressed in that performance yesterday. Um, it, it was a performance of... Um, we, we didn't steal a win. Um, we didn't steal the three points as such. Um, you know, we worked hard for them. And it was a it was an energetic but gritty performance from, you know, all 14 players. Uh, I, I must say, the much maligned Wayne Hennessy, I mean... Palace fans have been very hard on Wayne Hennessy, and perhaps uh, some occasions rightly so for for some of his mistakes. But um, he made about eleven or twelve saves in the game yesterday, which were were excellent. I mean, a couple of full stretch ones, but you know, a few of them were straight at him. But take you know, take nothing away from the guy. You've still got to make the save if the ball's coming straight at you and do something with it. So. Um, it'd be easier to say Wilf Zaha because he impressed and he has done recent weeks and obviously a lot has been said about Wilf in the press this week so that could have affected him so he had a great game but I'm going to give it to Wayne Hennessy because he's had such a torrid time at Palace since he joined he's made mistakes he's perhaps not had um, not had the 
praise that he should have done in some games uh, over over the course of the last couple of seasons. So um, he was excellent yesterday. And like I say, while we rode our luck during the game, uh, he was a big part of, or a huge part of getting that uh, secure in those three points. So playing Hennessy for me, player disappointed. Oh, God, oh, that's that's so difficult. I don't think anybody's disappointed yesterday. I suppose, I suppose being harsh, the handball from Townsend could have been very bit disappointing. Um, what was he doing in that position? Um, could have hurt us badly, but you know the luck was on our side for that. Thankfully, and you know I think a lot of time luck evens itself out over the season. So um, I think we probably deserve that a little bit. I can't, I can't say anybody disappointed in the game yesterday. Um, I, I'm just thinking of somebody on the Chelsea side. It was a shame not Victor Moses wasn't playing for Chelsea. That disappointed Palace fans. Obviously a former Palace player, but I think that hurt Chelsea a little bit by Victor Moses not playing. Gives them a bit, a fair bit of whip. So that was a good thing from our perspective. But yeah, I'm rambling now, trying to think of somebody disappointed in the Palace side. But um, I think it was, again disappointing to see Scott Dan stretched off. Um, came on at half time for um, Tompkins, who had a little niggle, uh, kick on the calf. I think it was, um, but Dan was stretched off after 15 minutes. But even in that 15 minutes, he made three terrific blocks. Um, but it, they believe it's a, a serious knee injury, which is a real shame. Um, but he's not getting the first team at the moment. So that says everything that's been going on at Palace recently. So, yeah, I'm rambling now, so I'll stop. Um, nobody disappointed, really. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, Dan, for Arsenal, uh, who, who was uh, particularly standing out today? Um, I think I'll go with Nacho Monreal. He was very good. Um, he He's always been very good at timing his runs, and... Alexis, oh, was it, weirdly enough, he was he and Alexis, I think, connect or connected more than any other two players in the match, which is interesting. But he was really threatening him behind with runs, got in a couple decent crosses, defended well, which is nice because he usually doesn't handle quick wingers very well. Because as much as he's good at most things, he doesn't have legs, which is bad as a fullback. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not. But he was very good today. It was a vented. Or what was it? Vintage Nacho Monreal performance. 
Anybody uh, as far as players who did bad, yeah, uh, yeah, no, they were. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm between, uh, I'm between either Mustafi and or Bellerin. Yeah, that was a terrible. And what is that name. hair? You guys know. Well, uh, actually, yeah, we're doing we're doing Bellerin for hair. Okay. Everything that has gone wrong, I'm blaming solely on his hair. His hair was so good, and then he just decided to change it, and it's awful now. What the hell, Hector? Um, he also didn't do great at footballs either. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just not a good combination. Uh, yeah, he just. What was it on the first goal? It, it was a combination of him, him and Mustafi messing up. Mustafi went and just ran after a header because Mustafi cannot not run after a ball. He is very much a dog, um, and um, <laughs> he just wants to play fetch. He just wants the ball, <laughs> uh, and um, but but Ben Byron didn't tuck in, and Sane just ran through a hole. Lar- large enough that you could drive the bus that the Arsenal fans rented to uh, protest Wenger for. It was, it was bad. Um, and his, what was it? I mean, his crossing's never been good, but, you know, when he's also not defending great, that stands out more, even if he is still... Well, it's weird, because as fullbacks, usually your main um, main way of contributing to attacking play is crossing, which, for better or for worse. But um, he's, like, very good at passing and really, really bad at crossing. Uh, was I think he had like six assists last year, and none of them were from crosses, which is just an interesting stylistic thing. But it's it's just not been it, he's not been able to contribute a lot going forward. At least final ball stuff. He's a good ball carrier, but you know when that's all you have going for you, that's not good. And his hair's bad. Get a haircut, Hector. That's a yeah. banner I can get behind. <laughs> do you think that this is just kind of a setback in his progression, or do you think we maybe overvalued? or over-evaluated him previously about what his upside may be? I think he got burned out in the first half of the season, to be honest. Okay. I, like over the so last, it is a temporary guess, thing. You think that you think the I, reach is still the same? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think he'll get back to being good when he has good hair. But, um, uh, but what was it? No, yeah, <laughs> like a I reverse think, Samson. <laughs> I, yes, like a reverse Samson. Uh, what was it? Just cut cut your hair um at least just go back to what he used to have but yeah um i think bert he was overplayed because what was it carl jenkinson is terrible at football just really bad uh sorry carl um and matthew debushi is hated by everyone at the club seemingly except people who love pinball but that's a whole other thing (laughs) um he has a pinball company um (laughs) that wasn't just totally random (laughs) (laughs) that's an actual thing sure why not um, all right, uh, for Tottenham, I mentioned in the intro, I thought Dyer was just imperious ever since he moved forward. Ali, kind of more of the obvious pick, and Erickson was a little bit underrated, and I know I am often a, a bit more of a detractor for Erickson than, than others. But yeah, I, I got to give it to Eric Dyer. He scores the goal, scored it well, and um, filled Wanyama's very big shoes very well um, ever since he moved forward. For a player that disappointed, it has to be Sissoko. He, he was just so poor when he came on. Um, it's, it's, I'm not going to say unpredictable because we all said it was a bad sign, but I don't think even the biggest detractors thought that it would go this poorly. Um, and it surely has where we're, we're hearing that there might be 12 to 15 million pound bids and we're all saying, take it despite the fact that that's a net loss of, uh, over a hundred percent. So that's obviously not ideal. So, um, but yeah, Sissoko was just. Is, flatters to deceive is too kind because he doesn't even flatter that much. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just he going was the opposite poorly. of good. 
Yeah, also, Jay, just for your amusement, I did see somebody suggest that we should offer a Sissoko in cash deal for Zaha. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no you thanks. know what? Yeah, I think they're all right. No, thanks. I, yeah, I see. I see. That's your ploy. You can't afford fifty million, so you're going to chuck a Sissoko. Yeah, here you want one of these, right? Sure. <laughs> that will still have to be fifty million plus Sissoko. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say. Should I'm pretty sure at that point it has to <laughs> be like fifty-five million, million plus Sissoko. Yeah. <laughs> we'll actually chuck on extra for you to take him away from us. Uh, I will say the one transfer thing um, that actually kind of makes sense that I've seen is Trippier. Because I think he's shown in every match that he's played when Walker isn't fit how impressive he can be. Sure, the defensive work is, mm. you know, b minus e on a A to F grade scale. But the crosses that he can provide are just insane constantly. I, not this match, but the previous one that Trippier started. I said, unofficial stat, Trippier has uh, had a cross converted for a goal in every match he's played since he was seven. Uh <laughs> And I think that that is still loosely true. Um, but uh, when people were saying, like, which players could leave in the summer, I was always thinking of, like, the big players leaving. I think Trippier has proved that he's better than just a backup for Walker. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he made, made like, a mid-table move somewhere. Uh, one of the things that was listed was maybe Everton, but just because of the Coleman injury. But I think mm-hmm. that's a reactionary in short term. But I could see him moving somewhere else uh, long term. Like, like say Palace, we could do like a deal. Trip here in Sissoko for Zaha. Who knows? We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll work that off. Uh, we'll work that off. How many, how many players? That, that is the definition of a, you just hand the guy a piece of paper, hope he signs it, and uh, he does <laughs> yeah. run. In, in that every deal is a 50 50 because it's whether they sign it or not without any other information. Um, all right. Shoot your uh, shot. <laughs> right. uh, you missed 100% of the contracts you offered. That, I don't know where I'm going with that. All right. Um, we're actually moving through pretty quickly. So we're going to add a second player watch. We're just going to quickly talk about who we think was the best signing that our club made this season. Jay, you have a lot to pick from. Um, short term, it's obviously been uh, Mamadou Sako. Uh, surprising that adding a top 10 center back to your club could improve your defense. Um, <laughs> is there somebody else that's in contention there as well? Oh, that's that's tough. I mean, we can go back to the summer. Um, we, you know, we added Townsend, who kind of flattered to deceive for a while, but it's coming good now. Allardyce is coming. It's it's bizarre what managers do um, to players, really, because he seems to have a kind of a new lease of life since Allardyce is coming. But uh, mention Sacco. I mean, that goes without saying. Sacco has been absolutely tremendous, um, and I really hope we do everything we can to to sign him permanently in the summer, uh, whether Liverpool are looking to offload him or not. He's been a massive asset to us. Um, I mean, he's played four games and we've won four games in a row. And he's been an absolute beast. He's a, he's a bully as a defender and that's what you want. You know, it's, it's no nonsense defending and it's something that we've kind of missed. Um, somebody that knows exactly what they need to do. And it, 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 sometimes you think it, the way he plays and, it, and his action in the way he plays... You think he's an accident waiting to happen, but he's just so effective in how he does it. Very rarely gets pushed off the ball, very rarely loses a header or loses a tackle. And he was immense again yesterday. And something that came across to all the Palace fans yesterday is that him celebrating after the game in front of Palace fans as well. You know, he's just a passionate player and he wants to win every game he plays, whoever it's for. So he's kind of bought into the whole Palace uh, philosophy, which, you know, which is bought, you know, which is kind of there's a massive link between the fans and the club. And he is hugely bought into that, uh, which is fantastic. The other one I would mention 
while Sacco has made a huge impact, it is Luka Milijevic or Milijevic, whichever way you say it. He's immense. He, he's become a cult hero already at Palace. He made his debut against Stoke in a one-nil defeat away from home, but has had a very similar impact to Sacco in that you know since that game we've had four wins on the bounce, and he is that barrier in front of the back line. And we pay 13 million from him for for from Olympiacos he came from. Um, not a lot of people do a lot about him. Um, I don't know how many people watch the Greek uh, Greek leagues at all, um, but he's just a no nonsense um, defensive midfielder, kind of a younger Mila Yednak um, that we got rid of, um, which you know upset a few Palace fans. But for me, Yednak had kind of you know lost a little bit of pace and he's passing wasn't that great um i do think uh, luca is a is a red card waiting to happen because of the g- way he plays his game and uh, probably um what for game there was a there was a challenge in a the game there which uh some people were saying could have been red i think probably a booking would have been fair but it wasn't given um but he he gives us that bit more steel in the midfield and and protects the back line and and, it, and we needed exactly that yesterday and game yesterday and he was a big uh a big part of uh you know seeing the game through to the end and he's been a real I think that's a surprise, actually. You know, Sacco, to a certain respect, um, you know, Liverpool fans have said, no idea why Liverpool were getting rid of him. Um, they could do with him because he's their best defender. So we kind of knew a, a fair bit about him. But Luca coming across, not a lot of people knew much about how he played his game or, or what it was like. Just a few snippets from Greek football. And he's been a revelation. He really has. So it's difficult to say between the two. But because Luca's probably signed um, yeah, a permanent contract, then... Uh, probably Luca edges it, but Sacco, oh, we've got to get him in the summer because he's been um, absolutely immense. Um, and even if it's on loan, it's probably going to be go down in history as one of our best loan signings ever. All right, and Dan for Arsenal. Uh, obviously, Mustafi was a high-profile get, as was Xhaka. Well, it's, it's weird because all three of our signings have been hot and cold. I mean, Stuart Holding was all, I'm not Stuart Holding. Uh, Rob Holding, mm. not the American one, the better one. Um, also signed, but he just hasn't played enough to qualify. Um, what was it? But so what was it? Well, going through him, Lucas is impressed when he's played, but he hasn't played that much. And like, if we're going to be fair, the teams he's played against have tended to be not that good. So you know, the stat there is he could quote unquote stat pad. Um, but and then Jaka has had has got a lot of flack, which I think some of it's been unwarranted. I think he's only well, one. He's been totally misused by Binger. Um, him in a well. Anyone in the midfield two outside of Sandy Cazorla next to Coughlin isn't good. Him in the midfield two next to Coughlin is even less so because he just doesn't have, like, he's not very mobile. Um, but he is a good passer. He's an underrated defender in the meaning that, like, people think he can't tackle when he can tackle. Um, he's not as bad as people say. He has got two red cards. One I still think is, it, I don't think it was a red card. Um, the other was. Uh, uh, but I do think he's also been, what was it? On one hand, I think he has a reputation, so refs are more inclined to give him bookings, yellow and red. But then for some of his bookings, I swear we a great investment would be to just like get some kind of brace to put on his head so his brain doesn't keep popping out of place because wow, he does some dumb shit. But <laughs> it's just it, sometimes you just I don't know what he's doing. Like the yellow card to pick the day in City, I just know what that was so unnecessary. There's no reason to do that. It just it. Mm. He, he makes some brain dead decisions at time, but he's been like he's been fine. Mustafi is it's a weird case where I think his best attribute is actually offensive, even though he's a center back. He's really good at passing the ball. 
he's a very good playmaking center back. And he's defensively, he just he's so overly aggressive, it's insane. Like I was not kidding when he just he what was it? You see Kashelny defend on the front foot, but like he knows when to stop. It's like Mustafi just doesn't have it's like he's playing red light, green light, but just doesn't know he's colorblind. He just just it's gray light, gray light. Keeps going after the ball. <laughs> yes, it's gray light, and he thinks green and gray sound too similar. Um, <laughs> he just he just doesn't stop. He just keeps going, even though it's like, what are you doing? You're not getting that. Oh my god, there's a big hole. It's just, uh So yeah, he can do some dumb stuff too, and like he's definitely shown me he has some flaws as a defender. Hopefully, he is relatively young for a center back. I think he's only 24, 25, mm-hmm. and um, he can improve. Kashelny was pretty bad when he first came as well, and now he's very, very good. But like, just he's he's so overly aggressive; it's almost funny. If it didn't <laughs> hurt so much, it'd be funny. <laughs> uh, uh, as far as best, it's really difficult to say. Um, I'll say Jaka because his mistakes have probably cost us less than Mustafi's. Mm. But it's really a toss-up. They're both like been like C signings, like not really bad, but not really good either. Well, interesting that you say C signings because Tottenham have had a whole lot of A's and F's. Um, <laughs> our average is around C. Uh, obviously, the one Yama signing was tremendous for us. Um, as I mentioned on the show many times, when we were playing in a 4-2-3-1, it really didn't suit him because you need something um, from both of those players in the double pivot there. Fortunately, when we switched to uh, the 3-5 at the back, <laughs> we just let Wanyama do whatever the hell he wants. Um, and that is often just dispossessing everybody in sight. Uh, and so he's been absolutely incredible for us. Um, the uh, fact that we get we, we have so many solid defensive midfielders in the Premier League right now is actually really... It, it's a position that I think is undervalued um, by fans because it's not, it's not sexy. You know, it, It's just very <laughs> necessary to make sure that your back line can do what it needs to. Like... Uh, Adrissa Ganagai at Everton, obviously. Um, um, to be um, fair, as far as not being sexy, Conte might win player of the year. But, uh, <laughs> Rude! Which uh, is debatable, but yeah. hey, what yeah. happened? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would be surprised. But yeah, obviously he's been uh, incredible. Um, and uh, Fernandinho, even though he's playing right back right now, is a very good Holy midfielder Jay's talking about middle. There are lots of M's, L's, and J's. I'm not sure in which order. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a position that I think is good. That the Premier League is coming back to, and also could facilitate more people switching to the three four three, which it seems like is everybody's dream right now. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, one one Yama was obviously uh, our best signing of the off season. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what we get long term out of Jansen, I'm not ready to ship him out. You know, he's still 23. Uh, that sounds a lot worse when you compare it to the fact that you know Kane's still only 24. But um, I, I think there's still plenty of talent in there, and it did take him a while to adjust to the Eredivisie. And I don't think anybody's claiming that that's the the standard it used to be. Um, so we'll see there. Sissoko obviously a massive failure, and Kudu is strange because. When he plays, he does fairly well, and then he just disappears for a month at a time. Not through injury. He just randomly won't make the 11 at all. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how all of that breaks down. Uh, but, yeah, I, did we sign other people? I'm uh, kind of drawing a blank here. Well, anyway, well, when Yama's... I have this French feeling. I have this feeling of Frenchness. Um, 
All right, and moving swiftly along so I don't have to talk about Sissoko, uh, we'll talk to you, Dan, about Arsenal versus West Ham. Obviously, a very short turnaround time before these midweek matches. Um, we saw also come back from injury. Do you think he'll be tested again this soon, or, or do you think maybe we'll see a bit of rotation from uh, Arsene Wenger? Um, he hasn't played a whole lot that recently, so I would think in terms of freshness he'd be okay. Um I I uh, I think he'll play. If that's just a gut feeling. I don't know. Otherwise, obviously, Ben hasn't said anything. I think he'll play. And as far as the game itself, uh, my body is not ready for Andy Carroll. Um, I, I'm not ready for the Andy Carroll hat trick. That's going <laughs> to suck. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we usually do pretty well against West Ham outside of, you know, last season. But um, West Ham were weird last season. I, I, I want to say we're going to win but like we're bad so um uh we'll probably i think we'll win but i will have to tweet out more dog pictures because we're definitely going to concede <laughs> i think we oh all yeah for anyone who doesn't know my my twitter account is now a dog rates fan account until football improves so yeah that's what i mean fair enough not binger out but is pro dog picks during match pro dog picks that's always a good stance <laughs> it's a hell of a brand change <laughs> good um, alright Jay you in your very good form are going to travel to Southampton obviously the defense has been struggling since they lost Van Dyke to injury they sold Jose Font uh, Puel came out today and said Gabbiadini this match is going to come too soon for him so you got to be pretty confident I'd imagine yeah I mean it, it's a good run of form for us at the moment four games uh, four wins in a row and obviously just disposing of uh, the, the, lead, the league leaders so a trip to Southampton shouldn't pose any problems. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm mean, being confident, and the Palace fan doesn't really go. So, uh, um, yeah, we you you would suggest that we could get something from this game, and I think we will. I mean, I think away from home, as we showed against Chelsea at the weekend, that we can cause any team problems, uh, particularly playing on the counter attack. And you know, we could take advantage of uh, those players missing for Spurs, uh, for Southampton sorry um, with Van Dyke, you know it's a massive loss for them and also Gabby Dean up front you know he came in and had a big effect scoring goals um, and, and again is missing so I mean they're safe for season um, they probably want to finish top 10 I think they, they just moved into top 10 with a draw against Bournemouth uh, at the weekend um, but I'm hoping we can carry on our form and there's no reason why we shouldn't we can go there uh, with a lot of confidence um, I think we picked up a few injuries it'd be interesting to see who partners Sacco uh, uh, in the game because uh, Tompkins went off injured, whether he's going to be fit, and also Scott Dan being carried off, it'll probably possibly be Delaney if Tompkins isn't fit. So uh, we will see, but I think we've got a good enough starting lineup to to cause uh, Southampton problems. So um, I'll be confident of getting something out of the game, even if it's a point that I keep the points uh, side of things ticking over. Ideally, ahead of playing Arsenal, want to keep this run going. So um, no, yeah, I I, can't, I quite fancy us getting a result at, uh, down at Southampton. Hampton and carrying it, carrying on this run. I mean, Samson don't really have anything to play for now. Um, they've had their day at the cup final, so still, still not a bad side. But um, our run of form has given us a lot of confidence. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna boldly go for a win. All right. Well, that uh, would definitely put you in very good stead for uh, staying up this season. Uh, Tottenham are going to be travelling to Swansea. Fun fact: Tottenham have the third best attack. Swansea have the worst home defence in the Premier League. Obviously, things have gotten better since Clement's gotten there, but they're still conceding goals at the back. I think we'll be able to take advantage of that. Still no Kane. 
I would assume Sun will start up front. I just mentioned <laughs> for half of this show about how good Della Ali has been of late. And uh, Erickson loves his free kicks against Swansea. Uh, the last time he scored a free kick, he scored two against Swansea. Um, <laughs> I fully expect the retaliatory free kick goal from Sigurdsson in mind. Um, but I do think we'll be able to uh, win this one pretty confident in that. Uh, and that would make things very interesting if Chelsea do drop points, but we don't need to rehash all of that. Uh, so instead, if you want to skip back to there, you could just replay it if you want. Um, but for the rest of us, that is it for this show. So if you guys have anything you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles speak a Palace fans so by fans for fans we don't just talk Palace we do uh, we have a broad spectrum of football but we do predominantly focus on Palace so um, head on over to theeaglespeak.com and also you can get us on Twitter at the Eagles speak I'm also host of the Meridian Sports Show which is every Tuesday between 8 and 11 UK time you can catch us uh, online go to the website meridianfm.com and you can follow us on Twitter at the Meridian SS uh, yeah, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits for some quality dog content whenever Arsenal concede, which is often now. <laughs> Good times. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff. Fewer dog pictures, to be fair. Um, also the lead fantasy writer now over at Goal.com. Uh, there should be a Team of the Week article, I believe, is what I'm doing tonight. Um, that'll be up tomorrow. Uh, I also write for J-Site, the Eagles Beak. I also host the FPL Roundtable, which we're going to record in about two minutes from the end of this. Uh, also do a DFS video we're also going to try to get out uh, before these uh, midweek matches. Um, and then I just assume next Thursday, the coming Thursday, there will just be loads of content as we wrap what's happened in the midweeks and start previewing next weekend. Because it is one of those 10-day uh, stretches with three match weeks in it, which is always uh, fun, but uh, drives me insane. But uh, yeah, just keep it tuned to all those outlets. And again, if you want any of it, I'm sure I'll, I'll mention all of it over at Kevroff on Twitter. And as for the show, you can always reach us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 